Hello and welcome to the Story X Story podcast, where we discuss stories across pop culture, plus give you advice on creating your own. It's episode number 72, and today we are going behind the story. I am your co-host, Nigel. I'm Tazzy, content creator and co-host. And today our guest is indie game developer Neil Jones, also known as Ariel Knight. Neil, welcome, or Ariel, which one... Which one would you prefer? Uh, either one. Thank, thanks for uh, inviting me. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Okay, I may, I may flip between the two over this recording. <laughs> nah, it's not good. Cool. Uh, you can subscribe to Story X Story on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, pretty much wherever you get your podcast from. You can always send us your feedback and questions to feedback at mymatter.com. Put them in our Discord, in our Gamepad Discord, or just throw them at us on social media. We are at MyMatter on Twitter, at MyMatterTV on Instagram, or at Tazzy on both. We've got a bunch of questions for Neil um, around his latest game, which is just recently released. So we're going to get into all that. But first, let's start with what's happening in the MyMatter universe. And as longtime listeners uh, will know, or just followers of My Matter, we are working on a new manga, Serious Through the Fog, which is even closer to being released. I think we've got the end, by the end of July, this new story will be uh, imprint and available for people. So pre-orders are uh, up now on our website. So you can check that out um, a bit more about the book, about the story. Uh, we'll also put a link to the Kickstarter that made this all possible. And Kickstarter backers uh, have been getting updates about the book, about the sketch pages that we're wor working on, the concept art that we're working on. And as things come together, you'll see more of that through Kickstarter in our Discord and uh, sneak peeks on social media. So yeah, we're just like throwing bits out uh, as it comes together. So just in case people don't know, this is our story about the, well, a story about a pandemic, not the pandemic, uh, but in the Maimada universe with the characters from Sirius following the events of volume one. So this does continue from that story. We've put the characters into a pandemic situation to explore the impact from a business perspective, but also from a personal perspective on the characters as a way to make a story that kind of focuses on the positive outcomes and lessons that can still be had even in times like this. So yeah, looking forward to that being sort of done and ready and like a physical or digital uh, product. Um, but yeah, definitely worth checking out. Uh, also to mention that we are in our mid-season recording break. So over July, you'll be getting uh, episodes like this one that we've recorded previously and we'll be coming back uh, with a whole brand new list of recordings and guests from August till the end of the year. Let's get to today's guests and find out what they're working on. 
Yeah, so as Nigel mentioned, today we're talking to Neil Jones, aka Ariel Knight, a multidisciplined 3D artist, game developer out of Detroit, Michigan. His newly released game, Ariel Knight's Never Yield, is a 3D side-scroller that plays much like a classic Endless Runner and is now available for PS4, PS5, Xbox Series X and S, Nintendo Switch, Steam and Epic Game Store. Um... So, yeah, we're going to go into a bit about um, Neil's journey and a bit more about the game. Uh, so we like to start from the beginning because the beginning is a good place to start. <laughs> and so we know that you made an effort to get a job in the games industry. So tell us how that led to you developing your own game. Yeah, um, th- uh, thanks again uh, for uh, reaching out and having me on the show. I really appreciate it. And the and the really nice intro you just did, but uh yeah, me trying to get into the game industry, I I, I went to school like over ten years ago, um to focus on game development, um as a whole. I, I originally set out to be a coder and then fell into art, uh but the the thing was um I wasn't really aware of how the game industry worked as a whole. There was a reason I didn't see a lot of people who looked like me in the game industry. Um, and, you know, uh, throughout the journey of, you know, learning all about game development, going to events and, you know, really talking to people and understanding that um, it, it was a, a bigger struggle. There were more obstacles uh, for uh, people who didn't fit that mold. Um, and I, I had a lot of conflicts with that, trying to make my way into the game industry. I went down a different path where I worked with a lot of small um, app development studios here in Michigan that didn't focus on game development, but also gave me the opportunity to learn a lot of tools that, you know, people use in game development, like learning Unity and learning all these cool programs. And while doing those things, I still, you know, constantly uh, did the game development hustle where I would, you know, work on small projects and pitch ideas and try to kind of like make a good portfolio and do everything that I was supposed to do on paper. Um, And that didn't work out for me and it didn't work out for a lot of other people. Um, And, you know, uh, people have words for that. People call that what they what they call that. But I I just kind of had a lot of frustration with that and um, the the inherent nature of just not being able to have an opportunity based off of like where I was from, what I looked like, my race, anything like that. So I decided, you know, I was going to be done with the game industry. I was going to make this one last game to more prove to myself that I could do it. And uh, if it worked out, you know, if people liked it, then it would be a giant, you know, statement saying, hey, look what this one person did. Look at what this person who has been trying to get into the game industry that y'all never gave a real opportunity to did. And maybe they will take that as a sign and give other people who they've, you know, kind of left out more opportunities as well. And was there sort of obviously you said a few of the difficulties that made it hard for you personally to get into the games industry were there any other struggles other than you know not fitting the the sort of like stereotype that made it difficult for you to get into the games industry i I think just money i think that's what everybody struggles with when they try to uh get into like their their career was the fact that they uh you know in the game industry um before you know uh the COVID stuff, it was very much of, hey, you need to be in LA, you need to be in uh, California, 
Um, you have to kind of live out here and move around at will or live in Texas or Austin. And I did that a little bit. I went to Texas. It didn't really work out. I didn't like the fact that I was just so far away from, you know, my family. It, it was just like a culture shock as well. But I, I moved back to Detroit and just decided that I was going to stay here. I liked it better here. <laughs> um, but that, that was the, like the biggest like sticking point for me was like the, the moving, the, um, the, the switching jobs so often you you would think when you have a career you can like kind of it'd be a little bit more stable but the game industry is not stable at all and so if you hadn't gone into gaming what other career would you have headed for uh, i have no clue uh my grandma always <laughs> said uh that i should be a barber but that was before you know she started seeing this stuff work out um, but she was like, you should, you should be a barber, you know, something like that, you know. And, uh, I, I, I never had a plan B. This was like game uh, development was always plan A, B, and C. Mm-hmm. <laughs> plan A, gaming. Plan B, C, plan A. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. The determination, sheer will. Um, so let's talk a bit more about uh, Never Yield. Mm-hmm. So it's mentioned that this was a passion project. So when did it become the the project for commercial release? Oh, it never did. Um, this is like even after you know the Nintendo thing and all these um, the the publishers or not publishers, um, platform holders like kind of agreed to like let the game be on their platform. It was still like a passion project. Um, the game was made for basically no money. All the design choices were made because it was things that I liked, not things that I was concerned uh, mass population would like. Uh, that's why uh, we also put out the demo was to show people, hey, this is the game. Like, There's no surprises. You play this demo, you're, you'll understand you know, kind of what I'm going for. Some people love that. Some people don't like that. And it's completely fine. I always say, you know, I'm perfectly fine with people not liking, you know, some of the design choices that I made. But at the end of the day, I made them. Like, and that's the point of the uh, of the game um, was to make something that was my vision. It wasn't like a design by committee or designed for everybody. It was designed for me and a specific group of people who like, you know, something more chill, something that they could finish in a day, something that wasn't like, uh, you know, I don't want to say super hardcore because I have hardcore elements in there. But super um, frustrating that lets you get away with a lot. But you could also just, you know, sit there and vibe on easy mode if you wanted to. <laughs> yeah. So describe the game to us. Like, what kind of game is it? How do the mechanics work? The art style, that kind of thing. Well, it, like there's an official, you know, paragraph out there that describes the game, you know, that uh, is very, you know, corporate sounding. But I like to just uh, describe the game as a narrative runner where you kind of think of it as a runner with a story where you play as this character, you discover his story uh, as you play and um, you just go on that journey. The controls are very simple. The controls stay the same throughout the game uh, so that like the, the controls you have in level one is the exact same controls you have uh, in level in, in the last level. And I think people really appreciate that so they can hop in and out of like levels at will and don't have to feel pressure to remember any new mechanics or anything like that. Um, and it's also meant for um, younger audience to pick up and play. I really uh, miss the days where, you know, you go to uh, your local games uh, shop and you would buy something and try to beat it in a weekend. 
and I feel the the, the younger generation of gamers uh, kind of miss are missing out on that. They're they're getting all these hundred hour experiences, these giant um, you know um, Fortnite types of games where it's just like one game forever, um, which is really cool. But you know, I I want to make something that was kind of I want to say from the past, but like a different type of mind state where it's just like, this is the game. You play it, you finish it, you come back to it uh, if you want to or not. Mm-hmm. I feel like though, it's, now you mentioned, I feel like those like 100 hour experiences kind of almost like changing the perception of, of gaming or what you expect when you spend money on the game. Mm-hmm. Like, I see what you're saying. Like you Like if it's not 100 hours, then what am I, what am I paying for is, is kind of the... Uh, I guess some of the thought out there. Yeah, definitely appreciate some shorter term games. Sometimes I'm like, games are just too intimidating now. It's like, <laughs> they kind of ask you, it's like, um, do you want to commit A, lot, a lot of money to me, and then B, y- your life hours? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't just take one, I take both. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, it's definitely nice uh, having that that take of like a game to complete, you know. I want that satisfaction of completing a game. <laughs> yeah, the ending is part of the story too. Like I think I feel people yeah. should should remember that when making when making games. <laughs> and it's a game you made to highlight aspects of a culture that is often overlooked. Uh, so, what are those aspects, and how does that game? How does the game incorporate them? Well, it, uh, the the core um, message of the game. Uh, well, I want to say message story-wise, but the core feel of the game is just um, the rhythm. The fact that um, when you play the game, it feels different, like just by the mood, um, the music, how the character moves, what the character looks like. The fact that you're playing as a, a, a black character who doesn't like technically hurt anybody. He's just trying to like get through these obstacles and people are attacking him for no reason. Uh, well, they have a reason, but uh, uh, from your perspective, they're attacking you for no reason. And you're, you're just trying to survive. And like, I think a lot of people kind of really like vibe with that, relate to that, um, look at that and see that something different. Because um, when we do get black heroes um, or uh, black characters at all, if we get any, um, they always have some kind of gun. They're always like really violent um, or something like that. And this game is not about that at all. It's just, hey, you, you, you got this. You got this mission. You got this goal and you got these really cool me- parkour mechanics. Now do what you can to, to beat this game. Love that. And talking of rhythm, let's talk about the game's music. Uh, was it always a big part of the game? Yeah, but it, uh, it it evolved a lot. When I first was concepting out the game, um, I had a really different sound in mind. Um, I was trying to avoid stereotypes and try to avoid hip hop music because I didn't want to get typecast as, oh, there's black developers making like a hip hop game. So I, I tried other sounds and, you know, they sounded cool, but um, it, it like I, I really had to like sit down and say, hey, I'm making this game for me. I'm like, I had to keep reminding myself that. So I had to like put it, pull in things that I enjoyed that also fit the game. So it, the music just took a really long time to get right. Uh, but I had the help of my friend Dan, who I've been, you know, hanging with and rocking with for years. And we uh, kind of came up with this anime, uh, hip hop, jazz type of uh, sound. Uh, and once we did the first song, which took us like months to kind of nail down, we kind of based the rest of the soundtrack just off of that. And then added different layers onto it and 
made it uh, match the levels. Uh, we really want the, the the rhythm to fit the levels. Everything felt like it belonged in those levels. And so was the music something you you made yourselves? Yeah, Dan did. Dan did all the music. Um, I just, you know, helped him with like the theming of the music, made sure that, you know, it, it's what I wanted this level to sound like. But that was all him. And we had our uh, help from uh, different uh, vocal artists from all over the world. Some made it into the games like there was a lot who didn't. But that was just us being like very picky. But we try to give everybody credit, even if they didn't uh, make it into the game. But yeah, it was just really cool to work with uh, so many like super talented people. Mm. And then does there is there any sort of like licensing considerations that comes with that? No, not, not even a little bit. When we uh when we kind of did the music, that was like pre-publisher, pre-everything. So um, I don't know if Dan even like did it for free at first. But then when we got a publisher, I hooked him up. Uh, so <laughs> he, he had a good day that day. <laughs> uh, so but uh, as far as licensing, the the. The music was always this kind of like uh, add on, um, like it was like another reason to play the games over again to like listen to the music or anything like that. Um, it was never meant to kind of be its own thing. But now we're trying to figure out a way to, you know, do the vinyl, like make sure people can have the, the soundtrack separately. Once we put out the demo, the like all people asked for was like, hey, can I just have this soundtrack? You know, the game's cool and all, but I want I really want the soundtrack. So like we last minute pulled like a bunch of strings to make sure that uh, we had an option for that, at least on the uh, the Steam page. But it was very much a rush job. <laughs> yeah, the music definitely stands out quite a lot, even just from the trailer. You're like, you can you can instantly sort of connect with it and see yourself sort of listening to it beyond playing the game <laughs> yeah, the the first trail idea was very similar where you know um I, austin um who who's the rapper on the uh, the trailer i think you're talking about and um the the first trailer that i did that really won over publishers and stuff like that like the music that was in that was all i had at that at that time it was just like that that one 60 second clip and um i had austin just do like a 60 second like quick verse and and whatnot and it blew up a lot more than uh, we thought it would. And then we kind of like asked him to do a couple more things. And um, on, a, on a more personal note, what, what genres of music are you into? Oh, pe people ask me that and they're always surprised when I say I like musicals. I like rap, I like classic rock, I like musicals, uh, like the classic Disney like uh, movie songs. Mm -hmm. um, like I love the Hercules like um, yes. soundtrack. <laughs> Man, uh, it's like my favorite thing to listen to when I just like need to like be inspired to do like some kind of art or something like that. Mm. Uh, I, I like some opera stuff, but I, I don't go too deep into that kind of stuff. But I, I, I really listen to everything except for country. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I could uh, appreciate the uh, Disney have to warn people. I'm like, mm, we might be listening to like whatever rap or uk grime right now but be warned it could just hop into like sing and dance <laughs> <laughs> like disney movie in a second fine oh and <laughs> anime anime openings the opening theme to fire force like it was it was very much my favorite song for for quite some time <laughs> nice so we're big fans of story here on the podcast is it kind of in the name <laughs> so mm -hmm. what is the story of the game and what of yourself did you put into the game and its story? 
the character Wally himself is based off of my uncle. A lot of people like to think that like I kind of based it uh, the character off of myself. I just happen to look like my uncle, so it was. <laughs> it, it's kind of hard to like tell people uh, no, but like yes. So uh, the this but the story um, I, I intentionally leave it really vague uh, so that people can figure out like what's going on there's there's been a few people who i've just watched their stream and they like make it to level three they kind of just figure out the story um like pretty much the whole story based off of those like three cutscenes that they saw so far but uh the basics of the story is that you you play this character you escape uh from this laboratory you you, you make your way to the menus and you kind of like see what he's doing in the menus the, the even the menus like tell a part of the story um, and then you go into the rest of the game where you're being chased by these people for a reason. And you uh, run into another character who's also chasing you. And you have a confrontation with that person uh, at the end of the game. But does your uncle know, like, did your uncle know he's in it? Or is like, what's the awareness of that? Oh, uh, he, he passed away a long time ago. It's just, uh, you know, he, he was he's a really cool dude. <laughs> growing up i would just hear about him all the time so like whenever i try to like come up with a character or something like that most of the time it's like somebody from my family or you know somebody that i met who like i thought was like really dope yeah love that so what aspects of the game's development was harder than you anticipated um i, I would say marketing before this i thought i was generally good at like just speaking about things and uh, trying to get my uh, ideas and points across. But, you know, doing the whole media gambit, um, I, I, I can see how I've gotten so much just better at, like, talking. And when I did the Nintendo thing, I, I, I'm really bad at reading the script or staying on the script. I, I kind of just wing everything that I do. So uh, when I really had to follow that script, I had to do, like, 100 takes because I would just mess up a word and just ruin everything. Been there so many times. So many times. <laughs> yeah, you should see the outtakes for oh, our, yeah. uh, our monthly update. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's just, let's go again. <laughs> and then was there anything that surprised you, good or bad, and how did you deal with it? Um, surprised me, good or bad. Uh, working, working with a publisher, like when I first started the game, um, I, I was not looking for a publisher. And even uh, after the first trailer, I really wasn't concerned about the publisher. I entertained them. I, you know, I listened to the pitches they had and whatnot, but I, I, I turned a lot of them down. I initially went with the one that I went with because they sent this really, really dope first email, um, that kind of broke down like the whole point of the game. It wasn't about money. It wasn't about you know, doing this game by myself or anything like that. It was more about like proving a point and like trying to show people what the game industry does to people. Like the fact that I shouldn't exist. Um, I really wanted to like when I first started in the game industry, I really wanted to work at a giant AAA studio. I really wanted to do all the things you think de game developers do. But um, and just like move up the ladder and, and, you know, do everything the right way. But I never even got a chance. Um, no matter how many of the rules I followed, no matter what I did, I just kept getting denied. And the reasoning for those denials made no sense. Uh, it was like things that I couldn't help. Um, and there was like no way forward. So uh, the publisher noticed that they like just based off the trailer and like a, a, a paragraph that I like 
said in like a, a brief interview they kind of broke down exactly what i was trying to do the fact that i wanted this to be you know more than just you know some random indie game it was supposed to be like something people can latch onto and use as like inspiration that's pretty cool that you wasn't even really thinking of, of working with a publisher and it was just that they got you <laughs> hey like I, I tell people like if you if you send uh, an email and like just tell people what you want and like mm -hmm. tell people like uh why you are like talking to them um and if the reason is good if it makes sense they'll email you back they'll like talk to you because i see all the emails people send me i just don't reply to everything because if it's something they ain't like vibing if i don't feel right about something if i feel like there's something extra like you know off like that doesn't feel right to me i'm just gonna be like pass and that's not me you know kind of being arrogant i think everybody should do that you don't have to like reply to everything. I wish people would take that note on Twitter, but um, <laughs> <laughs> boy, yeah. that's the truth. That's interesting you say that though, because like I work with with young people in like different sort of creative sessions, and whether it's talking about video games or talking about like comics, uh, creating stories, I always try and get across to them some just general things about how to operate in like once you leave school, and what you just said really touches on something where. I always try and get across like once you leave school, like no one's obliged to to help you. Like a teacher is obliged to because that's literally their job. And what you're saying about, you know, someone contacting you and 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 vibing with you and, and understanding what you want, being upfront about what they want, that's how you kind of make a sort of worthwhile connection. Cause that's and I, I think that's good because there's nothing wrong with saying like, you know, this is what we're after. Like there's, there'll be situations where, you know, we'll talk as, as my and, and gamepad and, you know, we want to, you know, promote inclusion and diversity and open up awareness of career paths in the industry for young people uh, and that. So if someone comes, you know, on that level, then more likely to get a response. <laughs> uh, if not, then there's no obligation to, to respond. So I think it's good that you mentioned that. Yeah. You don't owe anybody anything. Mm. Yeah, I feel that as like a just a content creator in general. What you described your emails is my like DMs. <laughs> yeah, probably even more so for like, DMs. <laughs> does any, if it's interested, if it vibes with me, then I'll reply. If it's just like a, hey, how are you? You're going to get left on red. <laughs> right, I, I don't know how to reply to that. Yeah, this is, what, what do you want? <laughs> but yeah, definitely when you're reaching out to people, for whatever it is like in in whatever industry people really do appreciate just that transparency and that like i mean communication <laughs> here's what i want <laughs> and then you can from there you can be like yes this is what i want or no pass move along no like after like the nintendo stuff and started you know, things started taking off you know, I kind of use my Twitter just like as a personal thing. You know, I just talk about game stuff, really. But, you know, I started getting some attention and like DMs started getting real spicy. I, I only reply to like super professional DMs now. I'm like, hey, I don't, I don't want no problems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the gamer girls, they wild with it. They don't even care. <laughs> they will send you whatever. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so obviously you landed a publisher. Um, so what difference did that make to the game's development, if any? 
Uh, the main thing was I, uh, uh, my friend Dan, who was just like working for like we worked the like the same like crappy job. It was like a day job at a like a retail place, the front desk. Uh, he was like just sweeping floors, and I was just like answering the phone or whatever. And then after I got a publisher, um, I was able to like before that I was like like paying Dan to help me out by just buying him lunch every day. Um, it's all we had. We didn't have none. So um, when uh, once I got a publisher. I kind of like made it a point to say, hey, you got to pay Dan for all the music he did. And like like that was like the thing I was happiest most about because, you know, he like he's super amazing. And he's been working, you know, on music and, and like trying to get in the game industry just like me for years. So I was happy I could like give him an opportunity. I, I got to um, contract some con uh, some con. Uh, sorry, contract out some concept artists to uh, kind of help me flesh out some of the splash art and the marketing art. And a lot of these people are people I went to school with uh, who like same boat as me and Dan, who never really got an opportunity. And I uh, it really, you know, gave them that ship title that um, a lot of these studios and like hiring places would, like really want uh, when you apply for these jobs. So it gave it put them in a better spot. So it just helped all around and it helped. Uh, you know, me, I wouldn't, the, the Nintendo thing wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for them. The Xbox thing wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for the publisher. So I give them a lot of credit for helping me out, uh, getting that, getting those deals done and giving my friends opportunities. I absolutely love that. I love that this, you know, this publisher came to you knowing and understanding what you wanted, what what this game was about. Um, and then you were able to then, because of them, bring people you know up as well with you on your journey i love that that's magic it's absolutely magic so there are obviously a lot of games even more indie games in the market how did you make your game stand out to the point that it was featured in in various high profile showcases well people make things that they know it's really hard for you know people who aren't black to make something that's black and I, I always say I don't speak for all black people. I speak for myself and I happen to be black and I know a lot of black people. I wanted to make a game that was something that like I would hope uh, black gamers would appreciate and that felt different. So I took a, a genre that no one really did anything with for, you know, at least a couple of years since Bit Trip uh, Runner. And I wanted to take that and see what I could do differently with it, see how much style and like character I can add uh, from like the culture that I come from uh, and from Detroit, be it the music, be it how the character moves, be it like how they carry themselves. Cause like the characters in the game, like walk and move differently than like, well, I try to make them walk and move differently than what you would see in other games. I made it fully 3d. I did like pretty much all the art uh, myself so that everything felt the same. And uh, you know, it was just like really focused so, you know, the game's about the uh, length of uh, an action movie. And that's how I like to put it so that people can understand that, you know, you, you should be able to beat this in one sitting. This is something that you replay and kind of look for, you know, what's going on on your second playthrough or third playthrough or something like that. But I, I really wanted to, like, take all those things and, like, mesh them together. You, do, you don't really see a story. You don't see, see cutscenes in runner-type genres. Um, so I wanted to kind of, like, make a game that I would want to play like 10 years ago and then update it. 
Okay. Um, so I want to go a bit into future plans and the games industry. Um, so now the game is released. Where do you go from here? How much do you focus on supporting a game versus looking to your next idea? So uh, when the game came out, I think one of the mistakes I made was launching it on everything at once. It was really hard to keep up with quality quality control. There was like a achievement bug that was on one platform. And then when we fixed it, it kind of moved to a different platform. And I, I just had, it's, it's still a work in progress where we're trying to like find out what's really the problem with that. Um, and like things like that, if I focused on one platform, I could have like definitely made sure that um, that was taken care of or I would have called it earlier. So it's it, that's something that always like kind of bugged me. So I, I think if I uh, if did something like this again, you know, it's, I would definitely kind of try to just be more focused. But the people like generally, other than, you know, that issue have like responded positively to the game. So, hey, I, I'm I think uh, a lot of the critiques about the game are right. A lot of the reviewers that like are a little bit more harsh on the game, as long as they're not like jerks about it. Uh, I generally agree with them about like some of the things that, you know, they wish were in the game. I wish they were in the game, too. So I, I, <laughs> I try to reach out and say, hey, like, I appreciate you like just taking the time to play it um, and leave uh, leaving your thoughts. Uh, and I, I, I welcome anybody with like any critiques, you know, as long as they're respectful to, to let me know um, how I can approve it. But I think moving forward, uh, I I think I, I did what I needed to do with this game. Um, I'm gonna fix it. Any like issues people are having with it as much as I can. But um, I want to go on to like the next thing, um, be it a sequel or like something different. So like uh, right now, I'm still waiting to see like those those numbers because it's, it's only really been a month. And sometimes like any games, they have a long tail. They have to like people have to catch up to it and understand that oh it's out now it's on everything i can play it you know and kind of get a feel for it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. definitely yeah just out of interest like just hearing you um speak about that and like getting the game out and getting that feedback like what is what is success for for you in the game have you like have you achieved that or do you feel like there's more more to do because you you said you set out you know to prove that you could you know doing this making this game um prove it to yourself and it's like you did that so is that like the benchmark or do you look for other things yeah so when i started the game i i well exceeded what i originally wanted to do but like right now i i think success is like in two forms the first form i already did where i, I just wanted to prove a point i wanted to prove that i can do it uh, i wanted to prove that the game industry is flawed there is often this myth that, A, if you want to be a, a game developer, get good type of thing and you'll get a job. And I, I think I've proven that that's not true. You can be good and not get a job. And it could be based off of other factors. So from that aspect, I, I, I think I accomplished that goal of proving that point. Uh, the second point uh, I wanted to do was the proof that like now that the game's out, people liked it. It did, it did really relatively well in the reviews um, and it was made by basically one guy with no money. Now, like, can I prove that like it can be successful, it's successful enough to make a sequel? And that's that's not kind of up to me. That's kind of up to, you know, the people listening now, the, the people who've been like following the game's development. And I, I, I don't want it to play off like, hey, come support me to like support 
uh, black game development. No, like support me or any of the other black game developers who are doing the exact same thing that I'm doing, who are releasing games just like I am, but isn't getting as much spotlight as I am. Like you don't have to support me if you don't like this game. Support any of us, like at all, even by following us on Twitter. Uh, there are so many of us. You can Google Black Voices in Gaming um, and just see the list that we came out with this year of games that's launching and people that you can follow and the conversations that's being had. I never want to be like that guy who's just like when you like Google Black Game Developer, you only see me. You should see a bunch of different people. Yeah, I get that. I get that. <laughs> you're, you're, you become like the, the default. Just Let's go to this guy all the time. Yeah, because like before the default was somebody else. And I, I, you know, I'm not pointing anybody out or name no names. I'm just saying, like, there's a default guy. There's always a default guy or girl, somebody. You type in that name, and like this one person pops up. I'm saying that's flawed. We like you should type in like black game developer, and so many different shades and color of black people uh, making games should pop up, and like that's mm-hmm. what we should be aiming for. Uh, and I'm trying to like use a little bit of juice that I got why people care about the game that I made and just like kind of point that out so that like when the next that guy or that girl pops up their standard is to promote other people because I'm not always going to like be here talking about you know this I might you know make my next game everybody hates me and then I disappear but I want the standard to still be you know it's not one person I'm going to go off off script Uh, do you have (laughs) any black game developers that you uh, of games that you really enjoy at the moment yes um so there there's a list called black voices in gaming uh freshman class all of them on that list i don't like naming names because i always forget one or two and then like i feel bad but all of them equally okay (laughs) yeah we'll make sure we add add that list to the show notes um so let, let's get back to to our our scripted questions <laughs> you've had a lot of publicity since you featured on the nintendo showcase but what do people overlook when they do talk about the game either about its development or about you personally um i think they 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 miss the references i i could tell like uh, when when people interview me and talk to me about the game uh who who played the game i, I could tell who played the game by like the questions they ask um because i put so many references to like 90s pop culture uh, black references like um and then like some really like weird wef- references that people wouldn't understand but you know will be really good questions to ask and the people who have asked them i gave them really real answers so i give you an example the um the final achievement is called call me if you need me and no one understands what it's about on like on purpose there's no like information on you know why it's named that way in the game because it has nothing to do with the game um in my family we don't say like goodbye it's i don't know why this is like something we don't really do um when we like hang up the phone when we like leave or something like that we say call me if you need me just because you know that's that's what we do so like it was my way to say you know that's it goodbye if this is my last game that's it you know call me if you need me so uh, what's the word? I don't know. I can't think of the word, but beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> and how can we positively change the culture of gaming so more people can feel they belong? I don't know. That's a big question. I don't, uh, I don't really try to answer like the the core fundamental flaws of the, the game industry as a whole, because I, I don't actually know. And I, I think saying I don't know is fine. 
But I think if we had to like kind of just come up with something to do, if you're looking for something to do today, if you if you can't buy a game, like if you can't buy any of those games on the list, if you can't hop on Twitter and support any of these people, I would say uh, just kind of like learn about the, the, the people who started the game industry and try to figure out why all of them are white to say, hey, uh, back in the day. You're saying no black people wanted to make games. No black people wanted to be a part of this industry. And then, uh, like, ask yourself questions and kind of figure out. I mean, it's really easy to figure out, like, where all these people are from. The people who got hired, they knew the other people who were given the jobs. They all went to the same schools. They all came from the same communities. Like, And you can, like, just piece it together yourself and then kind of use that information when you're talking to other people about you know why a lot of like the things that are happening now saying like you know support more black game developers and stuff like that why all of that is completely justified because we're supporting people now because we never supported them before so you know uh, if you can't support you know through you know buying the game and trying the games out and um uh, you know following us on twitter and all that um just support us by educating yourself about you know why we keep saying this is a big issue i'm a bit big advocate of learning about video game history because it will tell you a lot because uh, there's a lot of things that used to happen and then there was sort of like a massive shift in the games industry uh, and then that's where the modern games <laughs> industry is built on <laughs> history of the game industry is amazing and terrifying at the same time because it's amazing from the fact of what people can actually create in the scale of games. Um, mm. And it's terrifying how a lot of these companies are built, um, like who they hired and like the things that they did to like, you know, keep other people out or like not like, and some, some of the things I have to admit, like I don't think were like blatant. I don't think a lot of things were done. You know, you can't look at one person and say, is all that person's fault, the game industry has racist tendencies and inherently is racist. There's no one person. It's always a group of people with a lot of small things that they did that add up. Mm, and sometimes not even like fully aware. And that that can be the, almost like the double-edged sword of, of networking. Like networking is super important. And there's a reason just as people, you're going to, oh, I know this person, they did a good job or we worked together on this thing and I'll go to them for this other thing that, that makes sense. But then the, the the other side is where you only look <laughs> within that. And then when someone say, you know, someone like in your position, who's got, you know, what I say are the, the skills or things that we're looking for. And we say no, because, you know, my guy here, I know him mm -hmm. and we're going to go with that. And that can then, you know, you, you sort of block yourself off from sort of new talent, new input and, and things like that. It's a hard thing because you might not even realize it. And I think that's kind of part of the issues when you see in, in these industries like gaming. Yeah, but I also don't uh, want people to get the wrong idea and expect other black game developers to talk how I talk. Because I'm a very rare case. Mm -hmm. I'm like fuel, fueled by bitterness. Um, <laughs> and I, I, I don't care. But, you know, other black game developers are like working with people like they they are trying to run studios and run small groups and they have to they have a lot of other people to consider me. I can just hop on any podcast and say whatever I want. And like that might not even ever happen again, because like me personally, I don't think I want to make a game all by myself or like with a very limited number of people. I'm, I'm If I make another game, I'm going to need help. 
because I'm not trying to spend two years like fighting with you know all these computer programs trying to uh, make this game. But um, you know, I, I think you know the way I speak is you know uh, it stands out just a little bit because I I don't have many consequences and and the consequences that I do have I don't really care about. I, I wouldn't put that on like everybody can to kind of speak up like how I speak up because they have so many other people to consider. Mm-hmm. And my game's not about money. Other people's games, they trying to make some money so they can make their next game. <laughs> like if my make if my game makes money, cool. If not, you know, hey, I made my point. So it's forever there now, so. <laughs> right. What are they going to do? What are they going to do? It's been immortalized it's through late. the internet. It's too late. Once it goes out there, you can't, you can't take it back. <laughs> right. Hey, they, they gave me all this clout. They can't have it back. <laughs> so yeah looking sort of like forward to the future what what are you most excited about this next generation of consoles and what that can bring oh i i don't care i i <laughs> i i have zero concern i mean the new consoles are cool i got like uh i got i'm trying to get an xbox i got a playstation i was super lucky but like i'm i've been just playing so many indie games and i, I think people are to the point where graphics are starting to not matter anymore like you see people playing all these stylized games and you know don't nobody care about like super duper realistic and you know super 8k and all that stuff i mean those games are out there there are definitely people who care about that kind of stuff but i think people just want to have a good time people don't want to be stressed out and they they try to play games to you know de-stress and you know uh enjoy themselves and i don't you know the more everything just looks super realistic the less fun it is you know (laughs) Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm not, I'm not worried about the new consoles. I, I hope everybody gets one. If you ain't got one yet, you know, just be patient. You know, I'm, I'm sure you get one eventually. Uh, just some like general questions. Have you learned any new school, new, new schools? <laughs> Have you learned <laughs> any new skills during the sort of like all the pandemic and lockdowns and any, everything? Oh, yeah. Like my whole game was just me learning stuff. Like people think that I've been doing like everything as far as game development for you. No, when I decided to make this like game pretty much like on my own, I just had to learn everybody else's job. So like music editing, uh, I had to learn animation. I like this is the first time I really did any kind of animation. So when people say the animations are like janky, I'm like, I completely agree. Um, yeah, like, uh, particle effect systems, camera systems, like doing any type of camera work or cutscenes. I learned so much so quickly that, um, it was kind of a shock and I, I burnt myself out. <laughs> mm. Oh, cutting trailers. Like I cut all the trailers by myself. Uh, this is my nice. first time cutting, like really cutting trailers. That's why I was so shocked when people liked them. <laughs> <laughs> and... What would you tell your younger self to look out for at the start of your journey? Nothing. I wouldn't say anything because, you know, that's messing with the multiverse. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you don't make butterfly effects and make this not happen. Like, we, hey, we, this, this is why people don't go back in time. As soon as you go back in time, you stop yourself from being able to go back in time. <laughs> We like to ask each of our guests a bit of advice for aspiring creatives, creative professionals. And since we're talking about video games today, uh, what advice do you have for other listeners who may also want to make a career as an indie developer? <laughs> People always ask me for, the, uh, for uh, advice for younger game developers. And I, uh, I always say the same thing. I hate advice. Uh, advice is terrible. I've gotten the worst advice 
all the time. Um, and it's always been bad. So my advice is to not take no advice. Do whatever you want. Just make it happen. If you want to do something, just go do it. Uh, it's all you. Uh, can't nobody tell you no. Uh, people told me making my own game was a bad idea. Go apply for a job. Work at a studio so you can actually finish it. So, like, bad advice. Like, you never know it's bad advice until it's too late. So don't take none. Like, I'm, well, I mean, take the ones that, you know, you really feel. But mm. for me personally, I don't take advice. I take suggestions. Mm-hmm. I hear people out. But, you know, as far as, you know, being like, oh, this person did it this way. I'm going to do it that way. You want to be a leader. You want to be a follower. Do, do you. That's the only way you're going to make it. They don't care about you out here. They don't care about <laughs> you. You got to do it yourself. Sorry. I'm, I've been watching too much Cardi B. Go for it. Love it. I know we had a very um, similar sort of discussion the other day. We went for like an outing with with the interns. And uh, yeah, we were like there's the one bit of solid advice is that like no advice is is universal yeah yeah it's literally not gonna work what worked for me will never work for like everybody else like it might work for one person out of a million and i guarantee the person who actually follows this my advice won't be that one person so i'm i don't want to set nobody up for failure (laughs) like you really got to play it by ear like your opportunities and like your situation is always going to be different like like me, I was working a crappy job and I was willing to risk it all and like just be like, I'm going to make this game. I'm going to spend all my free time working on this for two years. But, you know, giving that advice to somebody who's like a parent or somebody who like has a lot of other commitments, that might just be like, you know, life ending for them. Like, so, mm-hmm. I, man, it's really, you know, case by case things. You can never really kind of give somebody like, you know, the keys to the kingdom. Mm hmm. Yeah, definitely. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> it's not one size fits all. <laughs> right. Sorry, I started ranting. I hate when I monologue. <laughs> Just a reminder to our listeners, it, you can send your feedback to us on this interview um, yep, and let us know what you think. <laughs> <laughs> send your advice now. <laughs> send them to Ariel Knights at Julia. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah you can contact us at feedback at mymatter.com well i just had a, a couple of things just um as uh hear you talk and wanted to uh know a bit more about and what i was wondering is like now that the game's out what's been the the best response that you've had and does it does this whole process give you a newfound appreciation in some way for game developers now that you've got people coming to you with either reviews, critiques, feedback, fix my game, anything like that? <laughs> uh, I think the, the best response is like, I, I just hop on Twi- uh, Twitch uh, and I just watch people play and people just like enjoy it. So like that's, what, like, that's been the best response for me. You know, I, I kind of like, like by watching them see the hangups that they have and I, I take a lot of like feedback and critiques from that. So, uh, some of the early updates, you know, I, I've seen like the day one players like playing the game and I was like, ooh, that's not supposed to look like that. Ooh, that they, they did that wrong. And I kind of like pushed a, a hot fix that night to kind of <laughs> address those issues. Yeah, I, I hope, like I've always like appreciated game developers, like the people like in the like major studios. And uh, if you look at my Twitter, you can see me just calling people out all the time, like uh, gamers who who are being jerks and not appreciative of like what game developers actually do. 
and the fact that they are the original creators of the the things that you enjoy, be it the podcast or the streams or the, the Twitch streams of the Let's Plays. They are the people who make the things that get supported by the things that you like. So I always, you know, take it back to that. Like anybody who's being a jerk to a game developer um, is really like hitting down. The, the the players have the most power because they can say and complain about whatever they want. But most developers have their hands tied. They literally can't reply to you. They can't, you know, answer your critiques or even talk about the game most of the time. So you, you're like threatening and uh, these people um, who's just trying to make something for you to enjoy and you being a jerk to them. So, you know, you, you asked me, you know, uh, if I have appreciation for game developers, that's all I have appreciation for at this point. Like, I think we all should like kind of like rally behind these people. Um, and the best example I, I have when I talk to people on podcasts, uh, because I, I was uh, asked once the question of like, you know, what do you mean uh, we don't appreciate game developers? I would say, think of your favorite character in gaming at all. Gaming history. Think of your favorite character. Who did the concept art for that character? Like, and no one can ever answer like who who does the art or who modeled this character, who um, not the like lead developer, not the person who's in front of the camera, the artist, the people who made the thing. Like, And none of them know any of these people's names. And I'm like, you have that per like that character all over your wall, all over your T-shirts, but you can't name the person who came up with the character. So that's always been my example that we need to know more of these people who are the artists, who are the creators, who make the things we love so much. That's such a good it's point. It's a bit called out, but also I'm like, but I don't even know the the, the faces. <laughs> I don't know any of the names. So. <laughs> no, I, I'm also I'm also called out. I was going to say, now I need to put myself in this in this category, but I was going to say as well as uh, gaming history is like just, um, there's always a layer of people that I just, just terrible people and just whatever you do will always find a reason to complain. Uh, I'm ignoring those people because I don't know what you do about that. But there's um there's a segment of people who will complain without fully appreciating like the actual process of making a game, like how much work it is, how it doesn't just pop ready made <laughs> into your into your console. And and when you kind of like attack or like, you know, just go over the top. It's without that appreciation, like if you knew how much um, it took, like there's people who complain, but then if someone would complain about their job, you'd go like, oh, well, this is what it takes and this is why it's like this. So it's like that having that same appreciation. And because video games is such a complex thing uh, to make, I feel as, as along with history, like that appreciation of the, the actual uh, process, which is why we like having people like yourself talk about what it took to make your game. Uh, so people can can get that but also now i need to go back and find out like the artists for my favorite characters <laughs> and stuff because that's a really good point hey like and it's amazing because uh when i tell people that they like actually like go look up those artists um and most of the time those people have like less than a thousand followers on twitter you can go like talk to them and just like message them yeah hey what's up i love those characters and like and they'd be like oh thanks so much for you know just noticing me so we just had a Bob Cheshire. He's a concept artist for Marvel and Star Wars. He did the concept art for tons of like Avengers, Endgame, Infinity War, Black Widow, Doctor Strange. Like there's amazing. scenes in like Endgame, which is just sort of amazing. And like, that's the guy who's was, was working on him. But then he's not, you know, he's not like out there on Twitter. He's, I don't know. We, we've probably got more followers than him, but he's the guy responsible for, uh, for that. And it's like, yeah, that, that kind of amazing um, appreciation of like the craft and the people who are actually doing the things like you say that that are the things you enjoy so you know look out for those people as well 
no totally that's a really good um answer um my last thing total like left field but notice you mentioned your anime fan uh favorite anime series uh any recommendations oh um i kind of been missing out on uh this season i've been just keeping up with um like my hero really and, and i know that's super basic but uh you know, I, I just kind of turn on Funimation. I'm like, uh, what what's dubbed? Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't feel like reading. Mm-hmm. I, I just go I, I just go through like, hey, what's dubbed? What's the thing I recognize the name of? I, I think I'm I'm watching Full Dive, and that one's really interesting. It's like a, a Sao. Um, I don't want to say Sao clone, but it's making fun of like um, uh, those type of uh, anime. Mm, that sort out online. Yeah, it, it, it's a it's a weird show, but I like it a lot. I need I need to get caught up on Fire Force. I still gotta. I'm I'm not into Demon Slayer. I've been trying to get into Demon Slayer so much, but I just can't get into that show. Oh my god, same. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's so into it, and I'm like, I just what am I missing? Because I just can't. I really want to be involved with this excitement with everyone, but. I'm like it's it's a cool show, but I, I'm like I don't I don't get it. Like I don't get why you know they're like oh this is number one anime of all time. I'm like nah if you say so. <laughs> because people people sleep on Sao. Like feel how you feel about the whole like flow of that 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 show as a whole. But the first episode of Sword Art Online, I believe, is the best episode of an anime ever because it sets up the world. It sets up the stakes it gives you like reasons to like want to watch the whole season it's just like yeah. to me it's like the perfect first episode i i want to bring that up sorry to like you know i know we need, need to wrap up but because i always get like people always t- tell me like when i'm trying to get into a new anime that everyone's like really excited about they're like oh you just have to wait like and i'm like how how long do i have to wait and they're like you know just a few episodes and i'm like i'm i'm on free and they're like oh just the first season just the first oh, two no. seasons <laughs> no, and i'm no, like, no. like <laughs> too long i want first episode should sell me like maybe second i'll give like first pilot pilot episodes is is can be forgiven of but the second episode i should be wanting to watch the next episode free okay okay yeah, yeah. like three is like I don't mind waiting like for things to set up. Not a whole season. Like you can't like, the whole season wraps before you get into it. That's mm. that's too long. That's a- but I should be I should have a setup by 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 like third is my cutoff point. I don't know about you. What's your like cutoff point for at this point? I'm just not I'm not into I'm not trying to get into this. Like I'll watch it, but I'm not trying to get into this anime. You know what? My this this wasn't always the case, but having now watched Avatar: The Last Airbender, which uh, if you've listened to this podcast, uh, you know uh, I love, because I remember being told how great that was, and started watching it and thinking this is okay, this I'm cool, and I think it was episode five was like ah okay I see what's going on here I'm in. Um, so now I'm like five. <laughs> like I gave out Avatar five. Everyone else gets five. <laughs> uh, but uh, I think I just remembered the the one I've been recommending since like winter. So it's 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 a really chill uh, show, and it's like I, I know people like who like more hardcore actiony stuff uh, might avoid it at first, but they definitely need to watch it because it gets really crazy it's one of those cutie and cutes animes or whatever and I, I normally avoid that too but it's called it's, it's a long title so that's why i had to do the lead up <laughs> okay, let called, me get mine. it's called i didn't want to get hurt so i maxed out my defense that's the title 
I didn't want to get hurt, so I maxed out my defense. Yes. And I, I think it was the best anime that came out last year. I love that show so much. I mean, it sounds right up my street. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was, it's more like, it reminded me more about like uh, Avatar where you can just like watch an episode and at the end of the episode, you can just be good. You can go about your day and live your life. You didn't feel like, oh, well, this was like part one of the like eight part series that I have to like <laughs> keep up with. Um, it was like an episode of something that you enjoy. Okay. Just like Never Yield. That's already out on all consoles. So you can go pick it up, pick it up now. <laughs> nice. All right. I'm going to look into that uh, anime. Thanks for that recommendation. And yeah, let me know how you like it. Yeah, I will do. What's it on? Uh, I think it's on Funimation. Okay. I'm going to have to. All right. Yeah, it's on Funimation. Cool. All right, Neil. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for telling us about your journey and yeah, all the work that you're doing with your uh, with the game. And congratulations on you. You made a game like that in itself is like <laughs> uh, amazing, and, and people are playing it. So yeah, thank you. No, thanks so much uh, for having me. It was really awesome being on and talking to you. And you, you all have like really good questions. I've been like on like a, a bunch of these podcasts now, and like they always ask the same questions. But it's been fun. <laughs> There we go. We didn't even pay him to say that. We're going to clip that. You, uh, <laughs> they did. I expect my check in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to edit that out. So <laughs> if you have enjoyed this episode of Story X Story and our, all our questions, our amazing questions, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. Uh, also, give us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever they let you review and rate podcasts. Uh, this helps us reach new listeners and fans of story discussions. I mentioned at the beginning, our next manga, Serious Through the Fog, is coming in summer. So by the end of July, we'll have that in print and ready to go. But you can also check out the current stories from the Maya Matter universe. We have uh, a bunch of manga titles you can get at mymatter.com forward slash manga. And we were talking video games today. Um, we've By the time this episode is out, we would have just had our recent gamepad online event for summer. But stay tuned because the next one is coming. You can also join the Gamepad Discord and keep up to date with our monthly activities as part of the Studio 77 membership, which gives you exclusive access to Gamepad events and content from the Maya Matter universe. Uh, in general, you can stay tuned for more podcast episodes, including creator interviews like these, video game discussions, and deep dives into stories across pop culture. You can always give us a shout directly. Our email address is feedback at mymatter.com and our website with links to subscribe is mymatter.com forward slash story x story. Until next time, everyone stay tuned, stay safe and ignore all advice. Full stop. Take care, everyone. Mm -hmm.